Hey, welcome back to Kansas Young. Thank you so much for being here. Before we continue, I want to ask you a favor. If you enjoyed this podcast, can you please leave a five-star rating or review? It would really help me out a lot. Now, in today's episode, I'm talking to Juliette Sweetland. She is the founder and director of the Topeka Doula Project, a nonprofit offering evidence-based doula support to teen mothers, incarcerated and reintegrated mothers, as well as low-income mothers and their families. It's a really good conversation, so let's get into it. I always start with just basics. Uh, tell me about yourself. Are you from here, Topeka? Are you from somewhere else? Uh, kind of tell me about yourself first. I'm actually originally from Memphis or the Memphis area, a small town north of Memphis. I grew up there um, and went to college there. I went to a small little private college and studied finance. Um, I didn't totally love finance. I, while I was in college, I worked at, a, um, at the YMCA in health and wellness. I got really into fitness and um, helping people, you know, figure out a healthier lifestyle. So when I graduated, I decided that was more the route I wanted to take. And I worked a couple years managing wellness centers or being a fitness director with the Y. I ended up moving to Seattle, Washington in my mid-twenties and worked at the YMCA there. While at the YMCA there, I did a lot of work with health behavior change and chronic disease management. So the Y was shifting their focus towards um, certainly a more holistic approach to health and wellness and making sure that we were um, connecting people not only with physical health, but emotional and um, mental health as well. And noticing the intersections and the important pieces when you're dealing with chronic disease um, that are at play there. So we did a strength training program for cancer survivors. We did a um, bicycling program for Parkinson's patients. And these were all kind of evidence-based, had, had gone through trials and were kind of Seattle was being used as a platform to start those programs and see how they would run at the um, branch level. We did like a health behavior change program that was a 10 month program for people who wanted to make healthier lifestyle decisions, but recognized or noticed that there were challenges and barriers that were preventing them from doing so. So that 10 months was used to really explore and navigate what those barriers and challenges were. And part of my role became what I would call a counselor light. I wasn't a counselor, but um, helping them navigate some of the emotions and the things that were coming up for them to create healthier lifestyle decisions and habits. So um, while in Seattle, I met my husband, um, Matt Sweetland, who is a Topeka native. Gotcha. And um, we met there in 2008 at a Halloween party. <laughs> Um, nice. <laughs> he was dressed as the state of Kansas, like fifth grade history project sandwich board style. Amazing. <laughs> um, I think there was like a tornado glued to it and a Western metal arc and like all the state symbols. Nice. Um, and uh, I saw him across the room. I was dressed. Do you remember those uh, sound activated dancing flowers from the 80s? You'd make noise, and then they'd kind of move around. Okay, yeah. And the more noise, oh, yeah. More they would. They were in Coke cans too. So, <laughs> okay, um, yeah, I've seen the Coke cans. I remember. I that. used to 
So I used to dance all the time, like anytime, and still do, like anytime I hear music in a store that I like or whatever, I just start. So um, my friend and I came up with that Halloween costume and uh, it happened to look like a sunflower. So Matt got very excited um, that the state flower had come to talk to him. (laughs) So we met and um, dated a couple years, got married, had a kid. I stepped while I was pregnant. I did a lot of research around my own birth and pregnancy. Uh, In Seattle, there is a um, midwifery school called the Simpkins Center for Allied Birth, where they have a lot of birth vocation studies. And so it's kind of a hub for that midwifery model of birth. And there are a lot of doulas in Seattle. I always like joke that having a doula in Seattle is like having a dog. Everyone has one. It's just a matter of which breed you end up with. (laughs) So we got a doula for our birth and um, it was really awesome. Like I literally and figuratively leaned on this individual throughout my labor, felt really supported by her and it felt extremely important and valuable to have her there. And um, I don't think I would have had the same birth experience that I had, had she not been there. And so when I started to think about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, um, I decided before moving to Kansas to uh, get trained as a doula there at the Simpkin Center for Allied Birth. So my daughter was almost two when I did that. I got trained as a doula in 2004. 14, 2014, I got trained as a doula. I moved to Kansas, or we moved to Kansas, and I had my first doula appointment on our cross-country drive. I stopped at the mother's house (laughs) and had our first consultation. And yeah, I just started doulaing right away to, uh, you know, when you become a doula, there are different levels that you can operate or work at. One is a trained doula where you attend like a couple days or a week long training. Uh, Then you can choose to get certified, which is a process that can take a couple of years to complete. Uh, It involves attending a certain number of births, writing some book reports and reflections on the books and births that you read and attended, um, receiving testimonials or surveys from the mothers you served and the OBs or midwives who you worked with and the nurses. So there's, it's a little bit of an extensive process and can take some time. So I was starting in on that. I attended a handful of births and then got pregnant with my second kid, Stella. Um, I have two girls, Tennessee and Stella. Tennessee is almost eight years old and Stella is, uh, she'll be five next week. Yeah, uh, I attended a a certain number of births. I just remember coming back from that first birth and feeling so confident that I had made the right decision in becoming a doula. It just felt right. And it felt so good to support a family that way. And to know that I was making a difference in her experience, in their experience. So it was really... um, Affirming, I think, is is the right word. So I doulaed for a couple of years and then got pregnant with Stella and decided to take some time off while um, she was an infant. And um, 
it was a she was about two years old when I started getting the idea that I, I wanted to be a doulaing again. I had always offered as a private practice doula a sliding scale and that that was comfortable and I liked doing it and I knew I needed it to do it because even Matt and I we used a doula who offered a sliding scale and we could not have afforded one otherwise. However, I noticed that even with the sliding scale, there were still a lot of families for whom that was a barrier to actually getting a doula. Um, I remember working with a family, my sliding scale, I mean, I was charging $300 for a birth. And uh, at one point, she communicated that they were going to be selling their uh, a lawnmower so that they could give me my payment. And it just started to feel like there's got to be something more we can do. In Seattle, there was a nonprofit called Open Arms Perinatal Services, and they offered doula support to low-income families uh, free of charge. And it was a 501c3 nonprofit, so it was covered through grant funding, government funding, and community contributions. So I started to think that certainly there's a way that we can figure out how to bring that to Topeka. Um, also, as part of this, I got really into the idea, there's a program in Minnesota called the Minnesota Prison Doula Project, okay. where they provide doula support for people who are incarcerated and pregnant. And um, so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to mold those things, meld those things together and create a program where we could provide those services free of charge for people who really stood to gain the most from having a doula, but had the least access to care and uh, the least opportunity to actually affording one. So yeah, that's when I, it was 2017, I think, November 2017, we received our 501c3 status. And I've just been kind of trying to plug away <laughs> at it ever since. That's awesome, man. That sounds like kind of like you saw there was a need, like you said, in 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 certain parts of oh, certain communities or perhaps certain people that couldn't afford it. And so that's awesome that you did that. And a lot of times there's a barrier, like you said, um, from your own experience, you know, sliding scale really helped you. So that's awesome that you kind of saw that and as a need here in Topeka and you kind of filled that need around doing it. So that's that's really cool. Okay, so I kind of think I understand. What kind, of, what kind of services do you offer exactly? Part of what we do is filling this kind of educational gap. I mean, doulas are more common than they were five or ten years ago, but there's still a lot of misconceptions or um, misunderstandings about what a doula is. So a doula, it's a Greek word that means servant. So it's literally our job to serve a laboring person. Um, we are trained to provide physical, emotional, and informational support to someone during their pregnancy, their labor and birth, and the early postpartum period. So we provide those services. Currently, we get referrals through the health department, through area OBGYN clinics, through local midwives, social workers who work in the hospital setting uh, will refer clients to us or clients may search for doulas in Topeka and come across our website. Yeah. We also go to the Topeka Correctional Facility 
before Corona, we were going once a week and we offered a, a prenatal and postpartum support group there. And um, each person who's pregnant there is given the opportunity to say whether or not they'd like to meet with a doula. Most of them choose to. And then I meet with them one-on-one -on -one to talk about that experience. So when somebody gets a doula, um, we typically will meet at least two times prenatally to discuss what they hope their birth will look like and then plan for the unexpected. We do um, a lot of exploration. I mean, birth is an extremely happy and exciting time, but it can also be a time of anxiety and increased fear, especially for folks who might have a trauma history or be prone to anxiety or fear. Um, so we do a lot of um, conversations to explore what's coming up for each family and how those things might play into a labor and birth environment. And then we come up with strategies to help mitigate any kind of discomfort or increase the comfort of the birth environment for a family, increase their confidence and their sense of control so that a family goes into labor feeling like they're a part of the process rather than everything's just kind of happening to them. Uh, we also offer childbirth education. We, we had just opened in January, we opened a brand new community space where we were offering childbirth education and support groups and we were gonna bring in other community groups and experts to give presentations or to meet up there. So um, we're trying to transition that model online and do some Facebook right. Live stuff to kind of keep that community feel. Um, and uh, so yeah, we do a childbirth education piece as well. A lot of times it's individual with one-on-one -on -one with whatever family, with whoever we are dueling with, um, but oftentimes it um, takes place in group settings as well. And uh, yeah, I think uh, the last piece I would say we're trying to focus on is in October of last year, I was trained in a, what would you call it? Like a model called um, When Survivors Give Birth, Understanding and Healing the Effects of Sexual Abuse on the Childbearing Person. And so uh, using trauma-informed care models to open conversations with pregnant folks. Um, and again, how, how does that previous experience affect the person's experience while they're in labor? And what can we do, uh, what plan can we come up with to help leave that person with an experience that they feel listened to, heard, supported, and respected during their labor and birth? And how do we help their other care team providers, so the nurses, the OB, the midwife, understand how to best support and serve that woman as well. Have you found that people have been, you know, people who have that trauma, which of course is, you know, something that um, is very damaging. Have they been forthcoming? If you had any people like that, they had, they've, been, they've been talking to you without, I guess, hesitation, or is they understand that you have the capability to kind of help into the process? I mean, how do you approach a subject like that? I'm assuming it's going to be difficult. Yeah. That's a really good question. 
Um, most of the folks we're working with that have a trauma background have been referred to us through yeah. social workers gotcha. um, or in the prison setting, uh, where they kind of already have an understanding that the, that we're that I'm an individual or that we're offering this service and have the ability to do so, and uh, they're really hopeful and open about um, exploring that. That makes sense. Yeah. What, what do you say is the most, I'm going to ask you two questions here. I'm going to first, the easy one, not easy, but what is the most rewarding part of the job or what excites you the most or two or three? Absolutely. <laughs> Does it have to be one? Yeah. I think it was one. Um, some of the most re rewarding parts of the job are when you're in a labor and you've had these, you've done the work prenatally to build a good rapport and trust and relationship with the family you're serving and you're in labor with them and you already have this toolbox in your mind of what this individual has communicated that they'll need and so you're pulling from that mental toolbox and you see the comfort that you are directly providing i mean you can you can see it in their face you can see it in their body sometimes it's vocalized like oh my gosh that feels so good or um like after labor they might say i never could have done that without you and to some degree i'd like to believe that that's not true <laughs> um because they're very strong and capable but they're i remember texting my husband once during a labor and uh, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most peaceful birth I've been at in a long time. This woman is amazing. She's in her element. Everything's so calm and peaceful. Um, I feel like I'm not even needed. And he said, well, it's probably because you're there. Like you're part of that environment. Like you've helped create that environment. Um, and that sentiment has kind of rung true a couple of times since that birth where I've been in a birth setting setting and kind of had an aha, like, wow, this mother maybe wouldn't have moved around as often or changed positions or um, known that she could ask for X, Y, and Z. And because she has this person whose sole job it is to serve her, we hope that we're leaving them with an experience that they just look back on and think, wow, I was really cared for during that time, despite any interventions that had to happen or outcomes that may have happened that they weren't hoping for. Part of our job is reframing uh, for a family. So if somebody was really hoping to avoid an epidural or certainly was wanting, was, was very fearful and not wanting a cesarean, but a birth may have um, taken that direction. It's very rewarding when you hear them talk about that experience with confidence and um, understanding and comfort around the birth. There might be still some sort of disappointment or confusion around all the different feelings that they feel, but uh, sometimes it's really nice knowing that I helped that person uh, reframe and feel good about where the what direction things did go in yeah that's, that's awesome that's a great feeling for sure yeah um and now the other question that's kind of related what is the most challenging part of your job 
Uh, and that could be anything from administrative to whatever it is, just the most challenging or challenging parts, not just singular, but plural of, of your job, would you say? Well, running the nonprofit as the director of the nonprofit, the most challenging part for me is balancing being the primary doula, uh, balancing being the primary childbirth educator and the director, and maybe specifically trying to figure out funding pieces and make time to make time to search for and apply for grants. And uh, the, I guess the biggest element that is probably most challenging because I actually haven't tackled it is to figure out the community fundraising element. <laughs> I know that uh, eventually that has to happen on some level. Um, and it, it's interesting because I used to do a lot of fundraising with the Y. And so I know it's all about storytelling and letting people know what we're doing and that that's a huge piece of it. And then the ask, but uh, making time for that when you might be on call for three or four births a month and you're also trying to schedule childbirth ed classes and balance it with uh, home and family life as well. I think that's pretty difficult. Other pieces that get challenging. Every time I leave a birth, I question whether or not I did everything I could for a family, especially if a birth does um, result in a cesarean or um, outcomes that maybe a mother wasn't hoping for, like an induction or, or an epidural. Um, I keep saying epidural. Actually, quite a few of the moms I work with really want an epidural right away. And that's not, my role is not to uh, try to help them not get that. But um, so, yeah, I think after every birth, I kind of ask myself if I did enough or um, if I really was helpful, what could I have, I always ask that question, kind of constructive criticism to myself, what could I have done better? Are there experiences in that labor that make me think we didn't have enough conversation prenatally and how can I change that in the future? It's a challenging process to go through with yourself. Uh, so it's important to kind of sandwich it with the good that you're doing. What do you, what do you think that comes from, you know, uh, is there, is there a place that those questions come from, do you think, or, or just part of the job or is it something that, that you do, you question or you, you kind of, are self-critical or is it just, is there, I don't know, is there a story behind there? Or is it just something that you just do because it's part of your job? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. Um, I'm sure that most doulas do some form of that because I know for me, I entered the profession to make a difference in a person's experience when they're in labor and giving birth. And that's very important to me to know that my being there really did help them on some level. And uh, yeah, I think I want to know that I did everything I could have done and I want to continue getting better. And the only way to get better is to question is to ask yourself those questions. Um, if, if we just, if I reflect and on in a way that, kind of paints everything rose colored or just focus on the positive, then I don't feel like I give myself that opportunity to look where I could improve un un understand and know what I don't know. 
and seek out that information. I completely agree with that. You know, you have to kind of assess what you're doing and see how you can improve. And that's probably the only way to get better at what you do, right? And, right, yeah. And always, uh, especially when you're dealing with people, like what you do, and it's such a critical and I would say, you know, intimate and also, you know, like I said, nerve wracking for some people time, you know, I, obviously I don't know what it feels like, but I was there for my wife's birth. For, so yeah. from, a, from, a, from a bystander perspective, I can see how nervous, you know, you can be as a, as a parent, a parent to be or whatever. So it's like definitely having someone there. We didn't have that, but yeah, um, you know, that will be um, obviously somebody there to help you through that will obviously will be really useful. Um, and I can see, I can see the use for it. I can see how, um, especially if you've been trauma, you know, with your, with your training that you had, that also be so extra helpful to have that extra layer of help. So I'm glad yeah. we have you into people. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's really great about doulas? I mean, they they sound nice and they are nice to have. And there's also evidence to back up the use of having a doula. Birth outcomes are better when you have a doula present. So that's everything from, you know, reduced interventions to increased breastfeeding rates to um, increased oh, yeah. postpartum emotional experience. Um, that's a big one. Yeah. So. I don't know all our research. That's awesome. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm glad to, uh, to have you here in town. Um, is there like a, I don't know if this is a thing or not, but you know, for example, I'm a writer and I do all kinds of things and I look up to people like mentors. Is there such a thing in the doula world? There's some people you look up to like, Hey, I want to learn from this person or I don't know. Is that such a thing in the doula world? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, my biggest mentor is, I call her the mother of all doulas. <laughs> um, her name is Penny Simpkin. Can you say that again? Sorry. Um, Penny, Simpkin, Penny Simpkin is actually, um, she is based in Seattle, Washington. And when I was pregnant with my first daughter, um, she was my childbirth educator. So we were able to attend her childbirth education classes. She's an author of some of the greatest birth books that there are and birth resources. One book I always recommend to every family I work with is Pregnancy, Childbirth, and the Newborn by Penny Simpkin. It's one of, I call it the modern day what to expect when expecting. Oh, okay. It's all evidence-based and extremely thorough. Um, so Penny Simpkin helped create and found DONA, which is Doulas of North America. It's now DONA International, and it's the largest certifying body of doulas that, um, that exists. She also, through her 30-year career as a doula, has done a lot of research and work in trauma-informed care and wrote the book, When Survivors Give Birth, Understanding the Effects of Childhood Sexual Abuse. I'm a childbearing person. So um, that training I went to in October, I was fortunate enough that it was Penny Simpkin and Phyllis Klaus, uh, the two original authors of that book, who did that training. And it was an amazing experience to be in this room yeah, bad. with yeah. these I mean, women in their 80s who have had um, careers of just doing amazing things for birthing families, for birthing people. and. Uh, 
will willingly sharing their knowledge and willing to do uh, whatever they could to help you as a young doula or childbirth educator. Um, I went to the Simkin Center for Allied Birth for my doula training and my childbirth education training. Kim James was another one of my trainers who I've looked up to. She um, founded uh, doulamatch.net, which is a website for uh, searching for a doula in your community. So a family can go to doulamatch.net and type in their zip code and their due date and come up with a database of doulas who are available to them. So these are just folks who really helped me when I was entering the doula world, suss out like why I wanted to be a doula where my internal biases were with that work, how to challenge my own internal biases with that work, and step into an approach that really served families, um, that, that centered on the family rather than, rather than me as a doula, I think. Like, here, I'm here to help you do this. No, my job is to actually have conversations with you and listen to you and you tell me what you need and I will do whatever I can to, to get that for you. Um, so Penny Simpkin considers to, uh, con continues to be a big mentor of mine. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I got finished with that first labor that I went on, uh, went to in the postpartum period, I had a client who was experiencing some trauma in the postpartum period. And it was relevant to some of the work Penny Simkin had done. And I thought, I'm just going to call her. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Penny Simkin, but I, I called her and uh, I left her a voicemail and she called me back wow, nice. and just had a conversation with me and was encouraging and helped me figure out how to best serve this mom and was open and saying, I want to help continue to help you. So reach out to me um, if you need help in the future. And uh, just really helped me feel like I could do it. Um, I could handle whatever was coming the, my way. And I think another piece of that is, like I said earlier, understanding what you don't know and reaching out to the people who you can learn from. She seems to be that kind of person. And I know Kim James is. Uh, when we did our childbirth education training, all of the trainers there at the Simpkin Center were like, we don't want you to reinvent the wheel. We want, I mean, here's our PowerPoint slides. If you want them, ask us, we will give them to you. Um, and so I've tried to have that same kind of approach as one of the kind of seasoned doulas here in Kansas or Topeka really. Um, and as new doulas come through, say, you know, we're a community and we want to support each other and whatever you need, let me help you figure that out. That's awesome that, you, that first of all, that she called you, that must be really, really yeah. cool feelings. I know. <laughs> I still have the voicemail saved on my ah. phone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You save that to your computer, have backup of the backup, you know, just in case. Uh, that's so cool. And I'm glad you're continuing kind of that tradition, if you will, that they've set um, to help other new doulas out. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I feel like a lot of different professions, you know, I'm sure it's like in every field, there's different people, right? Different mentality and attitudes. But I feel like it sounds like a, a profession where overall people seem to be 
uh, willing to help each other out and not see you as a competitor, but actually as somebody who's here to help other people. That that's a great um, thing about that community. Sounds like I mean overall. Absolutely, part of it is built into the work we do as a doula. You have to have reliable backup available. Okay. So if I'm sick, I don't want to leave a family without somebody. So having a supportive community of other doulas who can step in when necessary is really important. That makes sense. Okay, so where do you see, uh, it sounds like a high school question, right? Where do you see yourself in five years? But what do you see to be going to do a project in five years or 10, whatever you want to, if you haven't thought about that far ahead or not, I don't know, but or in a few years time, where do you see the, your nonprofit going or where do you want to get to, I guess, is the yeah. other question. Um, I'm currently sitting in this space where I want Topeka Doula Project to get really good at the things we're doing now. And so really zeroing in on the doula support and training, um, training the, the doulas that we had trained a year ago, making sure that they're getting the opportunities to go to births and get continuing education and work on their certifications, those who want to do that. So really zeroing in on that and the childbirth education piece. I want Topeka Doula Project to be the place that people go to when they're pregnant in Topeka. I want them to know that we offer evidence-based resources, evidence-based education. And when we can't provide something, um, we are going to look to the community and refer out and make sure folks are connected with other community resources. That's one thing I, I kind of want to be aware of is trying not trying to do too much. And so zeroing in on the things that we're currently doing and getting really good at those things. I think an important role that Topeka Doula Project will serve and doulas in Topeka, Shawnee County, and neighboring areas, we have to get uh, insurance reimbursement, Medicaid reimbursement for doula support. Other states are already moving in that direction. And um, in order to be sustainable, we have to have that uh, Medicaid reimbursement for doula support. And the evidence is there to, to show that we make an impact on health outcomes and birth outcomes for all families. And uh, yeah, I think we'll just continue to work on increasing educational education gaps in Kansas and eventually hopefully work on policy to have insurance reimbursement for doula care. Yeah. I mean, that's, I hope, I hope that works out. I mean, see other states have done it and the research is there. What do you think, I mean, if you're privy to this or not, the biggest hurdle for that happening here is or hurdles? It's breaking up. Okay. I think oh, I got sorry. Can the you, I, mean, I can repeat the question so. if, you, if you want. Quite honestly, I think it's education and knowledge of what a doula is and misunderstandings about what we are and who we serve. Right. Uh, still to this day, I have people say, oh, you're a doula. I would never have a home birth. And I think, well, nobody I really serve has a home birth. Most of my births are in the hospital, actually. Um, and like I said before, half of my births are actually folks who are wanting an epidural and for good reason, you know, if, if I've had conversations with them and that's something that will help them feel more confident and comfortable and help them have the best experience for them, 
then, um, yeah, I think so. There's an educational gap that I'll continue and other doulas will continue to try to fill and make sure that lawmakers and policymakers know that doulas do have a legitimate evidence-based role in birth outcomes. So, yeah. Is that the biggest misconception that people think you just do home births and stuff like that? Yeah, people actually think I'm a midwife. Right. Oh, you're a doula? Like, that's like a midwife, right? Well, not exactly. We're non-medical, so I won't provide any kind of clinical gotcha. tasks or even make medical recommendations or anything like that. So, so It's hard to, f- to fight against misinformation like that. So I guess, like I said, education is probably the, the best way to get to get people uh, aware of what you actually do and the role you serve. So I'm hoping this podcast helps a little bit in that. <laughs> I hope Thank so. You. Yeah, I think it will. And you know, every family we work with, even people who say, I want to hire a doula, aren't always exactly sure what that means <laughs> until they give birth. And they're like, oh, wow, it makes so much sense. I'm going to tell everybody to get a doula. <laughs> That's awesome. Definitely. Well, I hope, you know, in the, in the coming years or hopefully sooner, the policy, you know, changes to, so reimbursement is there because it's definitely an important job and, and sounds like uh, you're doing a great thing here. So I'm glad that you're here, that, you, that your nonprofit exists and that hopefully continues to grow. That's my hope. As, as, uh, Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I, I feel really fortunate to be in a community like Topeka, coming from a kind of a birth mecca of Seattle, mm-hmm. where I could have been a doula there, but really, I don't know that I would have had the opportunity to have as big of an impact as I've been able to have in Topeka. And really, I do believe that Topeka Doula Project is making a difference in people's lives and changing birth for the better for ind- on the individual level and on a um, community level. Well, I think that's all I got. Is there anything else you want to say that I didn't cover or any, any thoughts? I don't think so. I'm, I'm really appreciative of the opportunity. And thank, thank you. hopefully we'll see all at swim lessons this summer. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, this, it's all kind of up in the air now. It's so strange. I mean, I get it. I obviously, um, yeah, for sure. for social distancing and, and yeah. listening to the CDC and the experts. But, you know, it'll be nice for things eventually to at some point to get back to some sort of normal. Um, yeah, I do like that. I saw somebody post something is like, before you rush off to go back to the way things were, question what, <laughs> what things you really should be going back to. Yeah, 100%. Um, I have definitely felt that um, yeah. the last couple of weeks, uh, having this space and time with my girls especially yeah. and how life-giving that has been the the roles and jobs in society deemed as lesser or for lack of a better word are the ones yeah. that are keeping us going you know so absolutely it's kind of a wake-up call to some people like hey every every person right. is important and doesn't you know doctors right. are better than bus driver you know we're all people and, and we all deserve respect and our jobs are all surf uh, this huge circle of society that makes it, everything work so it's kind of a wake-up call to a lot of people i think this this time indoors absolutely so yeah but i, I hope the swim lessons are on if not i guess we'll we'll see what happens 
Uh, yeah. But um, there was one thing I thought of that yeah, okay, go for I, it. I don't know when you plan um, when you plan on putting this together, but yeah. uh, we were just we just applied for uh, for a grant through the Topeka Community Foundation. It's called the Live Work Give Grant, and um, it's to address community needs during COVID nineteen. Okay. And we were approved for that to offer online childbirth education and breastfeeding education free to Topeka families. So um, we've just put a pre-registration on our website. And uh, if anybody is kind of was is due in the next several months and was kind of relying on those classes that were canceled to keep families safe, uh, we're putting a, putting together an online option. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so cool. Yeah. And all right. So where can people find you? Um, if they have any questions or where can they reach you at? Yeah, I mean, we have a website, topekadoula.org. Uh, all the information and contact forms are on there. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Nice. And I tell people all the time, yeah. you can call me, text me, like, don't feel shy. <laughs> Even if you just have a question about birth and you don't know who to ask. Well, that's awesome that you're, you know, you make yourself available to people. Because, yeah, I mean, if, especially if you're a first-time parent, it's scary yeah, for sure you know because it's so, so many things so many questions so many books so many so people new, telling you their experiences yeah, yeah i tell everybody even after their baby's born they're postpartum so like we have one more appointment i'm like you can text me until your kid is 18 i don't care like <laughs> we're in this kind of bonded in a way <laughs> yeah absolutely that's cool though. that's awesome Again, yeah, thank you. Again, sorry for the connections. Horrible. It's just my, my, my No worries. Overall, it wasn't too bad. There were some moments where I couldn't hear yeah. you. But so sorry to make you repeat yourself a few times. If you want to support the show and also receive app free episodes, you can go to patreon.com backslash Kansas Young. And thank you so much for listening.